Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is episode 159. Great guest this week. John Pike is with me. And you probably don't know that name, but for 13 years, he was the president of Paramount Television back in the 80s and 90s. And a lot of people don't know this, but he was very instrumental in the creation of of Frasier. He was also involved in Cheers, Family Ties, and at the time it was really a golden age of TV comedy at Paramount, and he was the president during that run. It's a two-part interview. This week we're going to talk a lot about Frasier and Cheers, and even some things that I didn't know, and I was there at the time. But first, an announcement. Uh, For the first time in several years, I am not going to be reviewing the Oscars this year. And the reason is I've been doing it for over 20, and it's kind of run its course. I'm just tired of doing it. Uh, (laughs) There's little interest in the movies. I'm pretty much saying the same thing every year. And since I started reviewing them for the podcast... Well, I, I always write the review right after the show so that if I have a joke similar to a joke that you hear somewhere else, you know I didn't steal it, that I wrote it myself. And then I would record it, and it it was a long night. It was an all-nighter to do that. And this year I just felt, mm, nah. This is not worth it. So uh, sorry about that uh, for anybody who was looking forward to it. Uh, But this year, no Oscar review. Hope to make it up to you, though, this week with a great interview. You are going to love this guy, John Pike, my guest this week on Hollywood and Levine. So the first thing I want to talk about, and I think it's a great way of introducing you to the audience is to talk about your role in the development of Frasier. Because you had a big role in the development of Frasier. Frasier was a really interesting experiment in how to get a show on the air. We uh, at Paramount had commitments from NBC for both David Casey... Yeah, David Lee... David Lee, Peter Casey, and David Angel. 
And we also had a 13-episode commitment for Kelsey Grammer. And so the idea was, Kelsey said, whatever it is, I will not reprise that role. And Peter, David, and David said, we certainly don't want to write that. We've already developed it and written that. Okay. They went away for a few months and came back with a script. And on first read, I blanched. Uh, This was... First and foremost, it wasn't very funny. It was fine writing because they're great writers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was basically the story of a guy who was at the top of his game, fell ill, and then ran his empire from his bed. Okay. And uh, Easy to block if you're a director. (laughs) Really, really, really tough and warm moments of great humor, but... The bottom line was we said, okay, it's great. We'll be back at you. And uh, I brought my staff in. We all reread it. And everybody said, okay, what are you going to do, boss, now? And I said, we have a problem. Uh, we've got basically 26 firm at NBC in a great time period, and we do not have a show. And we've got to figure out how to tell three of our most talented writers that this isn't any good and further tell Kelsey that he has got to reprise his role as Frazier. Uh-huh. And I said, I don't know what the show is, but it's the only character on Cheers that can really move. Mm-hmm. Because he did have a profession. He had something that was a, a transferable uh, skill. And I said, radio talk has become very big. Why doesn't he move out of Boston... He's already divorced from Lilith and go to some place and become a radio psychologist. I said, I don't know what the show is, but at least that's a venue. And Peter, David, and David basically said, that's kind of interesting. Uh, let us go away and think, but by the way, there's no way Kelsey's going to do this. Mm-hmm. I said, leave that up to me. If I can get you guys in sync, maybe I can get Kelsey on board. Kelsey and I had a long, long relationship and a very good relationship. And I brought Casey over and, I mean, uh, Kelsey over and said very simply, uh, Kelsey, do you want to hit a home run or do you want to hit a single? And he said, what do you mean? I said, do you want to hit it out of the park or do you want to hit a single? Peter, David, and David have written a brilliant script and you would be brilliant in it but this is a show that is not going to go anywhere. And it's going to be a one-hit runner, wonder, and it's probably going to be critically terrific. And he said, well, I really like this hitting it out of the park thing. <laughs> he said, but you'll never get Peter, David, and David to agree to it. Right. I said, leave that up to me. <laughs> well, long story short, the guys went away, they all got together, they came back, and Frazier was born. And uh, the only thing that I really said creatively to the brothers and to, uh, or to uh, Peter, David, and David was put a dog in the show. And they said, why, did, why, would, we, why would we put a dog in the show? I said, John Mahoney, has to, he's in a wheelchair. He has to have something, and dogs test very well on TV. Right. So at the last minute, they stuck the dog on the show, 
And six months later, we found out that the dog was the highest, highest testing character <laughs> on the show. So that's the true story of Frazier. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell a personal anecdote that involved you. When my partner, David Isaacs, and I did a pilot called Big Wave Daves, which my listeners know is like, uh, you know, forgotten gem. But uh, we had a run-through, network run-through, and we had, it was Adam Arkin and Jane Kaczmarek were the stars. And a real good run-through, but the network wanted us to replace Jane. And we said no. We had seen a hundred actresses. We knew Jane could do it. Ultimately, she tested so high that it's what got the show on the air. But the point is, you backed us. You you stood up for us, which we really, really appreciate. I mean, that's the idea of having a studio behind you that really is supportive. I funny, I really never looked at my job as a person other than a manager of a baseball team. At the time I was there, I had assembled the greatest group of writers there was, from Casey Lee and Angel to Charles Burroughs Charles to Isaacs and Levine. I had them all, and I had a great ball team. And all I really was there for was to make sure to put them in the right place, to put them in the right position, and to support their positions. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy if the network says, no, I don't like something, for you to just go and change it if you are an executive. I never really felt like I was an executive. I, I always felt like I was the person that was there to solve problems. And I never took credit for a show. I never said this was my show or et cetera, et cetera, because it wasn't. I was there basically to bail the people out of problems or foresee problems and fight for time periods, fight for creative integrity, et cetera, et cetera. And it worked for us. We had, we had great shows, and mm -hmm. we had a lot of them, and they haven't had much since. Right. And it was a great place to work. It I mean, you know, the you know, morale and everything. It was like being at a, at a great college. Yeah, it really was. Of course, a big difference between then, and we're talking like 20 years ago and now, is, well, back then, networks couldn't own shows and couldn't own studios. So you had a certain amount of, of autonomy. I think if that same Jane Kaczmarek situation happened today, and then the network would say, well, this is it. You either... Fire Jane Kaczmarek or we pull the show. I think you're right, but you've got to remember that suits are not necessarily people that know how to make good television shows. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was a suit, and I didn't know how to make good television shows, but I knew how to hire people that made good television shows. And leave them alone. I can go back and, and recite. NBC was adamant about Michael J. Fox. They absolutely didn't want him on the show. <laughs> Gary David Goldberg said, if we don't have Michael, I'm not doing the show. And I backed him up. I remember when we lost uh, Nick Colasante. Mm -hmm. And people tend to forget that Nick, as coach, was the backbone of Cheers. Right. And most stories revolved around him. And when we went, uh, they, when Nick passed, 
And the brothers came to me with Jimmy Burroughs and said, we don't have a show anymore. I mean, my heart almost fell out of my chest. Sure. And they went to basically an unknown actor uh, who Woody was Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, yeah. mm-hmm. who the network wanted nothing to do with. And it was one of those, and I called Brandon, and I said, either you uh, say yes to Woody Harrelson, or we're not doing the show anymore. The same thing happened on Cheers a few few years later, when Shelley Long decided she was going to leave the show, Mm -hmm. and the brothers identified Kirstie Alley, who had no comedic chops or whatever. There was no film on her. Mm Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the last thing she had done of any consequence was be a bald-headed woman on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And we went in with Kirstie Alley. And once again, the network said, no way. And we said, way. And Who that, did they want? Did they want somebody specific? Uh, they specifically wanted, and I'm going to get the name wrong because I forget uh, but she did Funny Farm with Chevy Chase. She was a terrific actress, Canadian, and she was married to a hockey player in Montreal. And everybody wanted her to do the show. And I tried. I'll look her up for later. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried desperately to get her, and she absolutely did not want to do it. Did the Charles brothers want her? Yes, they did. That, okay. was, that was the first choice, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, we weren't able to make the deal, not because she didn't like the material. But she was a new wife living in Canada, and as a result, um, she did not. Uh, she didn't do the show. Hmm. And then they came. They came up with Kirsty, which I thought was out of left field myself. Right. But I'm not about to question the vision of the Charles brothers or Jimmy Burroughs. Right. Well, I know that we wanted somebody who was very different from Diane and looked very different from Diane. Uh, but Kirsty really was. A work in progress because when Kirsty started on the show, you might remember she played much more of a martinet, and we found out that really wasn't very funny. And it was only, I don't know, a number of episodes in when we had her falling apart over something that she was funny, and we said, That's it, we have to make her a mess. Once she's a mess, she could be funny. But it took us time. Well, the the thing about the development of any comedic property, or for that matter, any dramatic property, is you continually have roadblocks thrown in your way. And it takes a little bit of time for a show to grow and to understand the characters. Right. I mean, if you go back to Family Ties, you tend to forget that show starred Meredith Baxter Burney and Michael Gross, and they had Billy. Mm-hmm. And it was totally different um, than what we ended up with on the stage right. because Gary found out you couldn't put a joke in Michael's mouth and you couldn't put a joke in Meredith's mouth. So basically they called from Michael J. Fox this character of Alex P. Keaton and made him the star. But if you go through all episodes, you'll always see Michael below... Meredith right. and Michael. Right. Yeah. Well, another example, also at Paramount, is The Fonz and Happy Days. Oh, no question about it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's up to the writers to be flexible enough to 
not be so far ahead in their scripts and development that, especially with a new show, if something catches on that was unexpected, to be able to just veer off in that direction and go, well, wait, that's our money. <laughs> we, you know, we didn't think so, but that's our money. We got to go in that direction. Well, it's, it's, it's so much the case. We, we work and work and work and we develop a script. It goes to pilot. And we really don't know what's going to happen once you put that ensemble together. Mm-hmm. And if you look at at Frasier, for example, if you recall, Roz was not supposed to be who Roz was. No, I've uh, mentioned this before. It was Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow was, yeah. was cast in that show. Mm-hmm. And were it not that we decided to change her, and we changed her very quickly based on what Jimmy Burrow's vision was, uh, that we brought in the other actress, and she turned out to be terrific. Yeah. I also remember, because I was involved with the pilot that week, that NBC, which of course now takes credit for developing that show, that their note after a really excellent run-through was, what do you need the dad for? You know, they, they, they wanted them to get rid of John Mahoney. And now they're taking credit for the development of the show. <laughs> and the irony of it is, is when we developed Frasier, the one part we couldn't figure out who to cast was John. And it was NBC that said, wait a minute, we've got just the perfect person. <laughs> However, he's on a show. He doesn't know he's being canceled, but you've got your, you've got your guy. Right. And so we cast it with him, and his show hadn't yet been canceled. And ironically, because I was doing Cheers at the time, and we wrote an episode that involved a guy of John's age. And we had an actor, and I'm not going to say the actor's name publicly, but he was a very good actor, but the day that we were supposed to film the show, he freaked out after the dress rehearsal, got in his car and drove away and never came back. And so we just, we didn't shoot those scenes, but we figure we got to just recast it. And we did, and we shot it the next week and we, we hired John Mahoney and the guys saw him on that episode and said, Oh God, yeah, this guy's really great. But we had a similar story with cheers, which is very few people know about the original Sam Malone was certainly not Ted Danson. Right. It was Bill Devane. Yeah. And Bill Devane we had a deal with, and that was going to be the Sam Malone. For whatever reason, Bill Devane stepped back and did not do the part. They then came to me, as in the Charles Brothers and Jimmy, and said, our next choice is Fred Dreyer. Right. And... I went and tried to make a deal with Fred Dreyer. Quite frankly, I did not think he was right for an ensemble camp comedy. Right. But whatever. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> and we then went over to NBC and said, look it, we do not have Sam right now. And we went back and forth and back and forth. And finally, as Lori opened him and said, wait a minute. And she turned to a page, and there was an ad of Ted Danson doing a... Uh, with an Aramis? With an yeah. Aram, Aramis uh-huh. spot. Right. 
and he had done a couple of low-level pilots before, and so we stuck him in the thing. And they said, okay, go make a deal with him. I was going, well, this show stars Ted Danson and Shelley Long, and I don't have a deal with Ted, and Ted said, it's the easiest deal you'll ever make in your life. I want favored nations with Shelley. <laughs> and that's how it happened. <laughs> and it was the biggest break that Sam ever had, Sam ever had, Ted ever had in his life. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, because again, we were there from the very beginning, the original script that Glenn and Les wrote, Sam was a former football player. He was a former Patriot. And that's when they were thinking Fred Dreyer. And when they hired Ted, it's like, mm, I can't believe this guy has a football player. And that's why they changed it and made him a former baseball player. Yeah. And yeah. another thing that a lot of people don't remember is we never had a deal with George Went. George Went was basically there for window dressing. Mm -hmm. And the thing that was so wonderful about George, it was the way... In those days, rule one was you never did a show in a bar. That was not, <laughs> Why? That was not done. Why? Because bars had this kind of seedy feeling and people in it were drunks and whatever. Okay. And if you recall, in the way the show was described, it wasn't a show about a bar. It was a show where everybody knows your name. Right. And if you go back to scene one... It's Norm walking into the bar, and everybody goes, hi, Norm. And we didn't have a deal with him, but we immediately did, and right. he became, without question, the highest-testing character on the whole show. Well, one thing about Cheers, when it started out, and I, and I contend that the first year of Cheers is the best, and that... I would put the first year of Cheers up against the best years of, of any series. But we were getting killed in the ratings <laughs> that first year. And we were really on the fence, worried that we weren't even going to get a back nine that first year. Remember that? Well, you certainly were. I knew you were going to get a back nine because, quite frankly, they had an obligation to Paramount. Um, I did not think we would get year two. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, Brandon said to me, it's not coming back for year two. And it officially was not on the schedule. And if it wasn't for Grant Tinker, who came into the scheduling room and said, I've looked at all the other pilots. You don't have anything on the air that's as good as this. Let it grow. And therefore, Cheers got put back on the schedule a phenomenon happened that year called Cosby. So Cosby all of a sudden turned on Thursday night with a different kind of viewer, but all of a sudden it was a mass audience. That flowed beautifully into a retuned Family Ties, which was a show that nobody paid any attention to that just sat there at 8.30. And then it went into Cheers. And then it went into, I forget what the next one was, and then that was uh, ER, and that's when they came up with uh, the Thursday night thing. Yeah, the must-see TV. Must-see TV. Yeah. It also helped that first year, because what you're talking about is May, when they're putting the schedules together for the following season. Well, 
Cheers won the Emmy that year for best show. And people started discovering it during the reruns. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But, boy, NBC would have looked like idiots canceling the show. <laughs> and then it wins the Emmy. And then it's getting good numbers. And, you know, they're left with Bronson Pinchot or whatever. No, but a lot of people, you know, take credit for Cheers and its, its, its success. And, you know, whether that's Charles Burroughs Charles or whether da-da-da-da-da-da. But the bottom line was the individual who stepped up and saved that show was not Brandon Tartikoff, not Warren Littlefield. It was Grant Tinker. Right. And, of course, Grant had a relationship with the Charles brothers dating back to their days at MTM. And he understood how the creative process worked. He mm-hmm. wasn't a salesman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we had those great opening titles on Cheers, and I remember Brandon said to us going in, these are beautiful we love these. Don't let anybody talk you out of these titles. And then after three, four weeks, we were on the air, and the show wasn't doing all that well. And we get the word, NBC, could you change the titles, and could you put the actors in there? And it, and it was Brandon's idea. <laughs> Brandon was the one to tell us to, to change it. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so typical when you're dealing with that that network mentality it was like we were doing a show called MacGyver for ABC, which nobody at ABC liked. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did well because it was one of those shows that played before and after football, depending upon what coast you're on. Okay. And I remember a couple of years in, all of a sudden I get a call from ABC and they said, you've got to give MacGyver a love interest. And I'm going, how do you do that? (laughs) He's on the road all the time. And we hired Terry Hatcher, and she Uh lasted for one season, and that was it with MacGyver and the girlfriend. Right. Although I think the two of them were actually dating, so uh, he, he probably liked that note at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's part one of my two-part interview with John Pike. As I mentioned, for 13 years, he was the president of Paramount Television, but he was also the president of MGM Television, and he kind of worked both sides of the aisle because for a while he was a vice president at CBS and he was the head of Late Night. Next week, we are going to talk about the birth of the Fox Network. We're going to talk about Star Trek And a lot of other things, the role of an executive, the difference between being a president at a studio and the head of late night at CBS, what he thought of David Letterman, new technology, the new state of television and all the streaming services. And we're also going to get into some advice for young people trying to get into the industry. Part two, it's really good. Hope you'll join us. But right now, we want to thank Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, and Bruce and Jason Miller. And if you want to get in touch with me for any reason whatsoever, uh, you can complain about me not doing the Oscar cast. I don't care. Uh, HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That is my email address. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. Also on Instagram at Hollywood and Levine. Part two with John Pike next week. Talk to you then. Hollywood and Levine.